We've won again. This is good. But what is best in life? How about Howdy, 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 folks. Welcome to the second episode of The Rebirth of Garage Gamer, where today I'm going to be talking about Star Trek Ascendancy, which if any of you were at uh, Adepticon with me, I'd talk your ears off about it there because the game is awesome. Now, I am not here alone to talk about how awesome this game is. I have number one son here with me uh, on a rare occurrence where he's at home and not hanging with his friends, Harrison. Yeah, I got friends. It's kind of crazy now, isn't it? Friends. Things like that. Car friends. friends. plural. Yeah, I'm impressed. I really am. But what's even more impressive is after a hiatus of almost six years, we have with us on the mic one Mr. Smart Manling, Mr. Craptacular, Mr. No Scrubs, Mr. Christopher Bonnet! Welcome, 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 and I've got you in check, my friend. <laughs> he got us all in check. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. It's been a long time. It has been. And um, I am not surprised at all, once we started playing this game, that this is the game that got you back to come on and talk about gaming on the show. Oh, I got hooked. I mean, I'm a Star <laughs> Trek nerd, so it's I mean, astoundingly good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> this game is awesome. Oh, I wouldn't so. call it for the meek, though. This is this is not a game for like your non-gamer friends. I think our shortest game was three and a half hours. Yeah, it's it's intense and because it's, like both of us really messed up. <laughs> it, there's there's a learning curve for sure, but I mean, if you're into it and you like playing a decent game, uh, I, I I couldn't I couldn't recommend it enough for people who actually are like dedicated gamers. No, it's if you if you like Star Trek. And you like, uh, um, well, you know what? Why don't we just start kind of talking about the game? You, you want to just jump in? Tell you why, why you like what you know? Who might like it? Let's just yeah, jump right in. Um, the first time I saw this game, you guys, Luke and Luke, Taz bought it. Luke and Taz bought it before before the baby was born. Uh, we had a couple of chances to play it at uh, our local friendly game store at UGG, and I was watching you guys play it. Um, I was working there all day, so I got to see the full adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and we were still ironing out the details. The The first game we played, we were clearly doing a few things wrong. But uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. It shouldn't take the six hours that it did. No, we were... we were. Well, I mean... Well, if you got, if you got all players and nobody's ever played before, that first game, if, you, you know, you're, if you're still, you know, putting together, figuring out the rules, it may take... I mean, six is kind of long, but... Yeah, it, it was long. Once you get one person who's played the game, and as long as they do a halfway decent job of trying to get people through the rules, you can you can wing it and still get through a game in three, four hours. Sure, yeah. And the thing is, this game, I mean, honestly, if you're not focused on winning, this game could go on for a lot longer. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, 
the basics. Let's let's give them the basics here. The basics, because uh, there's expansions, but let's stick with yeah. the box set right now. That sounds good to me. Okay, box set's a three player game. You can't it, really play this two players. You got to play three players with the with the. You can with an expansion, but uh, yeah, with the base game, it's a three player only game, which is kind of unusual. But that's how it's built. And actually, it works out so well for us. I mean, anybody who's listened to this show from the beginning knows it was just the three of us playing Warhammer down here in the crypt. So another just three player game. Suits us fine. Oh, absolutely. Especially a three to four hour game that we can't get anyone else to play with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. What's uh, what's interesting about it to me is you have three players and each one is playing a different race. So it's not like you can choose the same faction. That is a different. I mean, I was thinking about that today. You're playing a different empire, right? Yeah, because so, technically the Federation isn't a race. And I'm not trying to get it's all... A mi- yeah, it's a mix, yeah. Yeah, because so, I was saying that too. I kept saying three races. You could be the Klingons, the Romulans, or the Federation. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not a race. <laughs> like, it's not, but I mean, it's... <laughs> but yeah, no, we know what it is. An, an empi- I'm, I'm, it's like an empire. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of splitting hairs there, but it's not technically, you're not just playing that race. Now, the thing that grabbed me when I came up and saw you guys playing it was the board. Yeah, it's that's the hook, I think. Um, unlike, let's say, um, Settlers of Catan, which has hexes or a straight up board, this yeah, one, like any game with an actual board on it, this one is uh, it's it maps itself out as you play. So you start with these discs that are a couple of inches in diameter. You put them on the board, and that's your home, and you play within a certain area. Right now, you got a three foot by three foot board. That's, and what and you that's do just is, the recommended. You could expand or decrease the size on that, depending too. on how quickly you want right. to get it, into. It's kind of up to you. And like right. with, with Settlers of Catan, you could make it smaller or bigger, and it's just it clearly changes the game. It would be the same with this. And you actually made a reference to civilization. We were talking about it earlier. How you start off and you can't see anything around you. You're just your civilization. Right. To clarify, what I was specifically thinking of, if people are familiar with the, the computer game, uh-huh. it's you know they call it four X right. games, which is you start off with nearly nothing, one city, and then you have no resources almost yeah, no way of replenishing your resources almost and nothing but piddly scouts that are easily killed and you've got to risk going out there and mm-hmm. finding something that you could latch onto and grow from and that's exactly what this game is yeah. say, like it's even more than that because if you think of a civilization game like all that stuff is pre-generated you just have to go out and explore it whereas in this you can actually change the dynamics of the board even after it's been put out by swiveling planets and things like that. It's it's difficult to explain it over a microphone how the right. map works, but yeah, you're right. I mean the the map well, itself is it's not set in stone until basically you've got you've got space lanes and you have systems. Right. And your systems are put down but they're not fixed in place until they've been Connected by to two places. Two, yeah. but we'll, and, and we'll get to that, because that's going to be one of the hardest things to explain, but it's one of the coolest parts of the game. Basically, when you start the game, you have three planets. You have Romulus, you have uh, Earth. Earth, and you have... Kronos. Kronos. Right. Klingons, Romulans, and yeah. Right. And the, the each of them, and basically, they're all 18 inches away in a triangle. Mm-hmm. You have uh, an 18-inch uh, isosceles or equilateral triangle. Right. Yes. Um, and everybody starts off with on your home planet, and you get uh, there's all sorts of tokens. It's it's a it's a GF nine game. You're going to have a lot of tokens. Um, you have your control node, which is basically like the little thing that shows you own the planet. Mm-hmm. And then you start off with one yellow, one red, and one blue, which is culture, production, and research. Research. There's a lot of. Um, 
what is it? Um, well, you have to. It's a management resource game that's as well as a military yeah. game and a social game. So you those three those three icons that that are on your planet. Those production centers. One is like basically factories for making ships. One is science for developing research because you can you can upgrade your technology. Right. And then and the you can third get is new advancements, uh, technology stuff like that. You can upgrade your weapons. Yeah, you're you, you're supposed to be starting off at the early stages of your empire, and you know don't don't go looking too deep down the rabbit hole on canon for Star Trek. You know there, no. this is an even playing field. It's a board game. So right now. You you start off with this stuff, and at the start of once once everyone's turn once everyone has their turn, and a turn round happens. You replenish by having planets with little nodes with all the little with the little bits on it. You get a you get a, a token for every one that you have. Now to win the game, at the end of a turn round, meaning when everyone has gotten their turn, everyone gets their chance. Yeah, you either have to have an ascendancy level of five, which we'll explain later, or you have to have control of. All the starting planets. If you're playing the base game. Right. Yeah. Right. So you either have all three of the planets under your control with your control nodes on them, or you've reached five ascendancy. So you've basically won the culture war. It, it should be stated now, for the record, we've never come close. Well, not that close to military victory. It's absurdly difficult. Yeah. I actually, the last time we played, I, you could, I, I did have all three planets under control. But not but all... I, but not at the end of the turn round. Like I grabbed them all, and you guys managed to to, to knock me off of Earth um, before. It's very the, difficult. It's so tough. The, it's a you know it's a three legged table, and the moment you knock one of them out, <laughs> things start to tilt. The in other a direction. two are like, oh hey, let's take you out right now. I mean, there was at one point I think where I was making deals with you, Harrison, and then I turned around and said, no 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 no, I'm only going to make deals with David. And then there at the beginning, well, I was like one turn away from winning too, so that makes sense. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of the nature yeah. of the game. It's a pendulum. It just now, swings back and forth. Now, this game is actually way too complicated for us to give a full, in-depth how-to-play review, I think, just on audio. Um, go, let, go let Kira in. Go let Kira in. Morgan's up there. Do it anyway. Um, I'm not saying we're going to do a YouTube video on this anytime soon, but who knows? We may, next time we play, just pull out and record a few bits and, and put stuff together. Yeah, that sounds great. But we're going to try to give you the basics on why this game is really fun and what's cool about it. Because if we have to go through every little, you know, every little Well, I think every little element, detail would be tedious for the yeah, listener. But Yeah, especially because you can't see the board. It's hard to imagine what you're doing. When you when you do this, you know, um, you know, you might be able to do David is for the episode. Maybe you can post a couple of pictures of how the map develops. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in fact, I'll make that probably the show image will be one of the pictures of the of awesome. the of the board. Um, now, when you start the game, everybody gets five commands, which is you basically have five things you can do in your turn. Correct. It's yes. Yeah, um, it's, it's another way of managing your resources. The mm-hmm. ones you were describing before would be materials, uh, right. or well, culture is not a material, but. You know, managing this, the materi- commodity. Managing the commodities you have, and then the other management of commodity, the commands that you were talking about, would be almost like managing your time. Right. Um, now, when you start the game, you start off with uh, three of each resource. That's right. And you then, start off with an ascendancy of one. 
mm-hmm. so that you have some ascendancy. And, so people know who are listening. Ascendancy is kind of a, a, an abstract measure of the dominant culture that your faction represents. Right. So the higher your ascendancy. The, the analogy I used when I was describing the game to people learning how to play would be like, the 80s United States of America, where everyone wanted our rock and roll, everyone wanted our, our hamburgers. And our blue jeans. And our blue jeans. Yep. Things have changed, but I mean, that's how that's how things were kind of arguably in the 80s. And certain countries were actually upset that our language was dominating their culture. France in particular was, was worried that they were losing their old culture because we right. were taking over. That's like what ascendancy is. It's a passive-aggressive way of taking over other people. Now imagine then if France decided to blow up Washington D.C., you understand ascendancy. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we all start off with a little command card. Um, you start off with no shields. You start off being able to shoot people on a five or better on a on a D six. Right. Uh, um, it, it, basically, it's kind of weak. The ships. Yeah. The, the 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 start of the game. It's a little bit like I think they. What did they make it? Uh, Enterprise was the early one with Scott right. Bakula. Right. I don't think the ships had shields back then. So basically, they were slugging each other, and every hit was hitting the hull of your ship. Right. That's kind of where the, this game starts. And there's cool stuff because now here's how it starts off. First of all. Uh, turn order is random. You get cards. They have cards numbered 1 to 10, depending on how many players you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now we can have up to five? We're, we can play up to five players uh, right, because the there are two expansions that include new playable races. The Ferengi and the... Cardassians. Cardassians, right. Yeah. But we're just playing with our three. So you take cards number 1, 2, 3, you shuffle them, you give them out randomly, and that's going to decide your turn order. Mm-hmm. Um now, so you want to get out and you want to explore. That's how you start. You got to explore planets to get more resources to do all this stuff. So you roll uh, a dice um, when you're going to go into warp. You have to go into warp uh, to, to to go explore. So you say, "I'm going into warp." That's one action. And then you roll this dice, and it only has a two, three, or four on it, and that will deli- figure out the length of the little space lane, the little warp lane. That you have discovered to take you to another planet. It's one of the unknown variables, which right. ultimately helps build your galaxy, uh, right. because you don't know exactly how the pieces are going to how they're going to fit together. Yeah, you don't know how close the planets are going to be. You don't know how long of a gap there's going to be between them as you're rolling it out. Everything comes out really random. Um, so I've got five actions. One action I'll go into warp. Second action I'll come out of warp. And so that at the uh, when you come out of warp. You have a stack of uh, basically planet and other... The, the term they use is a system. A system could either be where planets uh, reside or otherwise they call it a phenomenon, which would be like a nebula that you can study but poses a risk to your ships. Like the stuff they were flying through during uh, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, the Modara Nebula. Yes, exactly. Um, so you take these tokens, you just take the one off the top, you flip it, boom. Oh, this is what I've discovered now. In the beginning of the game, you have like the first five or six tokens are all planets to make sure that people can right it it, it, sort it of actually explore. the rules actually in, tell you to start things off slow and gentle yeah so you know you put down a planet you draw a card because that card might tell you that this planet is just fertile virgin planet or it might already have a warp civilization or a pre warp civilization so it'll sort of set up what kind of a planet you're finding um. Now, the interesting thing is, so you've got your planet and you've got this warp lane, which is, it kind of almost reminds you of those measuring sticks from X-Wing where you got the lengths one, two, and three lengths away. Yeah, you know, because, they're shorter, but yeah, that's exactly right, it. But it's similar, like that. Um, 
so you put that on your planet and then you just put it anywhere going out in your planet in any direction you put the other planet on and you can actually slide that all around your home planet the planet that it started from slide it all around there uh, until you connect a second warp lane to that planet so if you explore from that planet even further once you set up another warp lane there's two warp lanes touching any planet or phenomenon they are frozen in that spot they cannot move correct so that's how your board starts to get made um you could actually just, I think all of our home planets start off with four or five. Uh, yes, it's all four, four. It's all four. You could have four space lanes coming out of your planet. Right, you're limited to the number of lanes going out of your system. And to, the to planet will actually have a number systems. on it for how many lanes right. can go in and out and of it. And then the other ones you discover might have less, might have more. Right. And uh, interestingly, in some of the expansions, they start allowing for additional lanes through sneaky means. Like, I think the Ferengi have a way of sneaking another way in. Right, you can get an extra lane in because they're... They're doing all sorts of smuggling and because stuff. Because you just can't predict The Federation those. also have an advancement that allow them to do that. Because they're dirty. <laughs> now, as you're building out and finding these planets, you can then colonize them. You set up a, you know, a new colony under, under, your, under your empire. Um, if they've already got a civilization there, you can try to take it over. Um, you can use hegemony. Which is where you basically are like, hey, we're awesome. Come join us. Right. Hegemony would be the way of, it's kind of the Federation way. It's the stereotypical Federation calling card, which is, oh, we think that you're like a warp-capable civilization that's trying to reach out to the stars. We're not going to bomb you. We're going to ask you to join us. Right. And that's exactly. Hey, we're the Federation. Want to be friends? Uh, there are limited examples of this, I think, in this in the story with like, the Klingons didn't bomb everybody. I think they had a few races that were also right. warlike, and they're like, just join us. Right. Probably in different terms. You know. <laughs> um, in order to do that, to take over a planet, you just there's there's something you add up how many little if it's a you know if if it's a warp capable planet that's usually the ones you got to take over through hegemony because most of the other planets are sort of early. Yeah, what I like about the game is that there's sort of an early, mid, and late game. And in the early game, you're just trying to grow. And yeah. so you're you, what you're we're doing what you're describing, which is you're taking most of those commands that you have available to you to try and expand mm-hmm. to, to find a planet that is capable of either being hegemonized, taken over peacefully, or or bombed if you prefer to bomb them. But that's very difficult to do in the first couple of turns because you're weak. Yeah, or hopefully you find a planet that's capable and empty. Yeah, and then you could just take that over and start building up on it. Right, and each planet uh, potentially has only a certain number of uh, nodes, which are like the red ones that David described are production, so you get more factories, you can build more ships. The blue ones are science, you can develop more research, and then the yellow ones are culture, which allow you to ascend, to have a higher ascendancy level. And most, almost every piece maxes out it. You could have three... Of these nodes and the planet you pick will often tell you this planet has you can have two blues and a red or you could have a blue a red and then there's a gray saying put whatever you want in that spot that's right they have open ones as well open ones as well and so you can sort of you know when you see a planet you can decide if this is a planet that you want to kind of go past or if it's a planet you want to start building on to get those resources that you need to do extra things. Although early on, you almost <laughs> want to say no to nothing. You want to take anything oh, you yeah. can get. Oh, yeah. yeah. There are some pretty not great planets like, oh, it's got one yellow node that you can build on it. But well, there's also ones where it's like, oh, you can build one of each on it. Or If a- you're the Klingon, you're probably less interested. But, I mean, ultimately, you take whatever you can get. Yeah, beggars can't be choosers in the early game. Yeah. Now, 
actually, when when it gets to your turn, before you start doing all this exploring and using your commands, you have your building phase, which is where you use all of your That's resources. Right. You could build ships. Um, you actually have three fleets uh, that you can eventually get up to three fleets, which is where you build a bunch of ships and they become a fleet, and you have one larger token on the board that you can just basically move them all around as one big unit. They get bonuses a lot of times. The fleets have a lot of a advantages. One of, of advantages. One of yeah. which is that you, you would normally have to use a command for every individual ship to move it. With a fleet, you can spend one command and have all of them move with its efficiency. Yeah. But they also usually have the benefit of a special power associated with them. Right. Um, Sorry, I kind of derailed no, take you No, take it, take uh, it. You can only have as many... You, you know, like each each race can have or empire can have up to three fleets, but you can only max out the number of fleets you have compared to what your ascendancy is. So in the beginning of the game, you can only have one fleet. So you got to choose it carefully. Not only is ascendancy one of the means to victory, but it's also determining how effective you can be militarily. Like right. you said, with the fleets, like at the beginning of the game, you're only capable of producing one fleet. Your your empire is only capable of managing one at a time. Right. And ascendancy is your key to a better military. I remember in our last game, that was actually a big limiting factor for both of you, was that you were both at ascendancy one and you needed more fleets to go on, and you just you didn't have the culture production to actually get that so you could have more fleets. It wasn't a production issue, it was a culture it issue. It was a big problem for me, yeah. And I, was, I, think that, I was torn. I think that comes back to why it's so easy to win a culture victory compared to winning a military victory, is because to get your military up to snuff and get the fleets out there you need to conquer... Your ascendancy already has got to be at least three. You're already 60% of the way to winning by ascendancy. That's right. Before you ever... Now, you can actually start the game with no ascendancy if you want to make it take longer, but our games are already four hours. We're like, forget that noise. I wonder if... I don't know. It seems really fun. I would kind of like to try it at one point. I would be curious to find out what kind of game would turn out if... if, uh, if you were allowed to have, let's say, Ascendancy plus one fleets. So if you're Ascendancy one, you can have two fleets. So in other words, you can get all three fleets with only two Ascendancy. And if that would oh, change... I see. You're just rewriting the whole game now, huh? Yeah, just hold the rewrite. And also, Romulans always win. Okay. <laughs> we could try it if you want. <laughs> sure. Except but I get, for the second part. But, but I, I get to play the Romulans, yeah. <laughs> well, um, what I like about the game, yeah, it's... It, I mean, you start off the way you're describing where you, you've got to explore. You've got to, like, spread out and try and acquire new planets but depending on the race you play depending on the faction you play you might be ha- you might have your hands tied uh, right the the klingons have advantages uh, early on with combat in space whereas the federation they can't even they can't even peacefully take over a planet with the pre-warp civilization, they're not allowed. Well, that's right because in the uh, the, fe- the Federation, anybody who knows Star Trek, the Prime Directive, I can't invade a planet if I'm playing the Federation. Well, they're- no, not only you can't invade a planet, but if if they are a pre-warp civilization, you are not allowed to. You can observe them, but you they can't. You cannot colonize. They can't find pre- out about us. Correct. Yeah. You you cannot make your presence known to them. You don't want to change their development. They consider that sacred, I guess. So That's if the you are going out and find a pre-warp, now if you find an empty planet, take it. Take if it. you find a warp capable civilization actually the federation gets bonuses to try to hegemonize them and bring them in because that's how the federation yeah, works. Yeah, their starting advancement means that they get an additional plus 1 to their role. Yeah. That's that's an interesting time to talk about the, the each empire's advantage. Each empire has an advantage to gain additional culture based on what it is that their their civilization likes to do. And right. Harrison, you were mentioning that the federation gets extra culture when they discover um 
when they discover civilizations. it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's any civilization, any civilization, or warp, oh, or or a, a phenomenon, or phenomena. That's it. If I find a black hole, yeah, I'm gonna die, but at least I get culture from it. That's that's just what they do. It's what they, you know, it's it's what makes them grow. It follows exploration and discovery is their bag, right? Um, for the Romulans, they can actually there's. There's things called advancements where you could every turn put a little bit of research into these advancement cards, which give you bonuses. The, it's, yeah, new technology. Yeah. The Romulan, because the Romulans are so into the tech, you know, they have cloaking and stuff like that. And they're a, a very technological sort of geared uh, race that some of their advancements literally have a little marker on it that says culture. And so just getting your science advanced... Um, will help boost your culture, right? For them, so science, it's like a big double whammy. It's kind of crazy. Actually. Science seems to be a a a cultural advancement for the, like the whole species feels like they've developed from new technologies, right? And then the Klingons, they get extra culture if they just they blow up three ships in a space battle. They like to kill things. They have lot. to get into fights. They, though. It's it's like yeah, it's like a, a Nordic victory, the Vikings song or something. You know they. Yeah. Um, now, if you're playing and you're trying to be friendly, going and blowing up your opponent's ships is a way to get get the game a little unfriendly a little quickly. Um, True. But that, it's an important time to talk about that. This is actually not a very friendly game. You've got to have to... You have to have a thick skin. Some point it's very in the game, passive aggressive. Yeah, at some point in the game, I mean, in the beginning, we're always nice to each other. It makes sense to. It makes right. sense to. I mean, you do trades. You can trade with uh, with your your. It's called your your fellow players are called your rivals. Right. You can be a peaceful rival. or You can be a hostile rival. But uh, you're still rivals. You're always rivals. But you can trade with your rivals, and trading is pr- produces. Um, more the, the red more, ones production more production oh there's, and there's no actual trading involved I just want to make that clear you just hand someone a card that says trade agreement and it has your faction symbol on it and then they get free production for however many their trade agreement says it could be one two or three and they can give that back to you as well now the that interesting thing is everybody rival. has three trade agreement cards one is for one production two production and three production um, if you're playing with more than four people, once you get up to a five or six person game, you can't be, you cannot trade with everybody because right. you can only have three trade agreements. Um, and then it's like, well, who do I want to trade and give higher trade now? And if 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 you get to a point where you just like they're starting to win, you'd be like, up oh, trade agreements over, give me my card back. You know, and then they'll probably ask for theirs back as well. But if they don't, I suppose you could keep it and keep getting production. That's kind of crazy. I can't think of a single reason why they why would, you would want to, but. Um, now, oh, this is something we totally skipped. Um, when you start the game, we don't know each other. We really, our games don't affect each other at all when we start until you go into warp and build a space lane that connects to your other, to your rival's right. empire. You don't even know each other's there. You have no physical path to get to your you opponent until to draw you build it. You, yeah. you have to actively go out of your way to to connect those 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 paths. But once you do, then you've made first contact, and that's when you can set up trade agreements and do all sorts of other stuff. Or go to war. Or go to war. Yeah, but you can't go to war with someone you've never found, and you can't make a trade agreement with someone you never found. So we we tend to try to find each other. I actually I think in the game I won, I just like stayed away from everybody. That like, was actually a fairly smart move because I was building you, up what I needed, and nobody could come get me or take anything from me or you, slow me down. You could potentially win an ascendancy victory by simply staying aloof. 
Yes. In which case you force us to come to you. But it also means you'll never be able to get trade agreements. Right. Uh, one of the rules is you can't make trade with your rivals unless you've actually had first contact with them, which makes which, sense. Yeah, I can't trade with you if I can't. If because I don't we know don't you know exist. you exist. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you could you could technically win an ascendancy victory by staying aloof. But I mean, the longer you do so, uh, it just means that the other two players are trading and probably uh, growing. Yeah, scheming against you. Well, yeah. But, I mean, it, that's part of the fun of building the map. And I, I was suggesting before we could probably post some pictures or something. Right. Uh, it's very you – can, you can look for ways to isolate yourself and make it difficult for you to be found. But, ultimately, it's, it's impossible to not draw a line if somebody wants to get to right. you. Now, what, what's part of what's really fun is once you lay down that planet tile to see whether you got a, a, a planet or a phenomenon um, – you can come across phenomenon that and most phenomenon are dangerous in some way. Mm-hmm. And so when you stop on a phenomenon, it'll have a number in one of the little red danger warning flashing symbols that they had in the Enterprise. Uh, the number might be six, five. We've actually seen a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black holes are scary, and folks. Then the, was it the person to your left? Person, oh, two has to roll for you? Yeah. Uh, you, the person to your right is usually the person rolling the die that may kill you. Yeah. So I stop and I find a phenomenon and it's got a five on it. So my, the opponent to my right rolls a dice. Five or more, my ship that found it, ship blow up because the phenomenon took it out. If it doesn't, you can stay there. And as long as, as, long as you're just sitting there, nothing happens to you. Right. But, it's, the, the rule for phenomenons and any risky systems is when you end your movement there, usually after a command. Right. So once you've ended your movement there, if that's where you've decided to stop, you can pass through it safely. But if you stop in that system, you're going to have to take the roll. Now, the other cool stuff with phenomenon is you can choose to do the roll. And if, and, uh, if, if you beat the roll on your turn... There will be uh, some research. Mm-hmm. There will be a research token there. So you can, get re- you can get research tokens. I don't think there's any exceptions. I think that every phenomenon has the capacity to provide you with additional research. You're right. learning something by risking yourself. Yeah, and that's the reason to do the risk is to get the extra research. Um, there's actually a, a different bonus with the research is uh, I said earlier there are those advancement cards where you can you know advance your, your, your technology right. by, through these cards. Uh, every turn, you can put one research on an advancement token. And advancements could be anywhere from one to five points. And so it might take five turns to get this. If you get a research token from a phenomenon, that can go directly onto your advancement cards, even though that's right. you've already put one down. So that's another reason to take these risks and get out there. There's... Well, you know, Star Trek loved to show different episodes where science vessels would go out and they would directly like study something. It would immediately go toward whatever it was they were studying. Right. Romulans had this. Klingons, not so much, but Federation were about it. Right. You know. Um, yeah, the different the different resources have different abilities, but the research, the blue one, science, is very powerful because in addition to these technologies that you're describing, which are absolute game changers, they immediately like make you more difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't want to spend it on the advancements, um, even if you put it into upgrading your fleet's shields or your fleet's uh, weapons, it can make it so that your fleet's auto-hit. It can make it so that your fleet's can't be hurt. Yes. So you have That's to keep up with the Joneses. Thing. You have to. Yep. Because you could be outed from the game 
by not paying attention. And that's where that's where yeah, your I, shields will uh, will directly oppose the, someone else's shot. So if you have shield zero and I eventually get my weapons up to one plus, I can't I can't miss you. Yeah. Or if your shield or if your weapons are still five plus and I have two shields, you can't hurt me. It's Correct. impossible. Yeah. So let's let's I guess let's cover that. I was I wanted to talk about the exploration cards because oh, those are still okay. with the planets. Yeah. But we can you know let. Yeah, you know what? Let's do the exploration card since we were talking about the planet definitely, a little bit more. Definitely, definitely. I did mention every time you pull a planet or a phenomenon, you gr- you draw one of these exploration cards. So do you draw them for the phenomenons? No. No, not for Just the phenomenons. The Anytime, yeah, if you if you see a planet, if you like travel to a new planet for the first time and you ex- expose it for the first time, then you would draw an exploration card, and you have to deal with its effects. And it could be anything. I, I mean, some are great. Some are like, oh, hey, listen, you just found a paradise. You get uh, two extra production just for showing up. And some... Now, the last two games we've played, you guys have drawn the roll of dice. If it's over this, the whole planet blows up, and anyone on it is any ships on it are dead. And I did. And you, I did too. You guys both drew those. That's crazy. Well, you know, everyone knows by now that I roll really well. <laughs> I'm a great roller. So, but there's three board cubes. Yeah, we played with the board expansion. Ugh, I didn't do we'll that. The, oh, that well, was I did so, well, but crazy. I didn't do that well. <laughs> but. I think what's cool is uh, these exploration cards come out, and they can't. They can totally mess up the whole program to the to the point where it literally blows up that pl- that that planet you just discovered is gone. The space lane gone. It's all gone. Um, or so, the player to your right puts down a control node on the system, and then you're just like, "Well, hell, right." It's a lost colony controlled by your opponent. Yeah. Uh, so you can have all of these. I mean, all sorts of things can happen, uh, which is really. Um, but it's it's not so random as to be unplayable. A good strategy will still win, I think. Right. A good tactician can still deal with these r- random events. It doesn't change the game so significantly that you're out of that you can be like randomed out of the game. Yeah, they're rarely game changing, but it's 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 that you have lots of different types of planets and lots of different types of effects, and you never know how the mix is going to go. You can generally rely on it. Yeah. But every once in a while something really wackadoodle happens and you've got to you've got to turn on a dime. Yep. And or, I like or, that because it forces you to like deal with phenomena, you know, big issues. Sometimes you pull something and you just get an awesome bonus. I mean, like I said you never know the mix. That's there are certain cards called allies which will like give you free trade agreements with people that can't be rescinded because right. they're Those not are, controlled by other players. Well, they're the, really good. There there are ways, but I mean they're also in the deck. So it's, it's yeah. There are certain exploration cards that will take away all your trade agreements, and you're like, "Well, this sucks." But what can you do? Yeah, that's it's it's just everything about it is really cool. And this is what I love about this game is every time we play it, not only is the board completely different, not only does the way the planets lay out come completely different, um, but even when they do come out, you have no idea when or where the the exploration cards. They're going to mix with the planets you get. So even though you've got a limited number of planet tiles, and you know, if you've played a few times, you're going to start to see some of the same planets. Like, yeah, I, I love put, getting that there asteroid belt. Th- this may be a shot in the dark. I was going to compare it to another a card game. Do you remember uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse? Yes. That, that's a superhero card game where it's like it's the same game, but if you're playing a different hero against a different villain in a different environment, it's an entirely different game. And that, that's kind of how this game feels to me. Where We've never had two games that came even close to playing the same. No, not really. I mean, even though, well, we're sort of joking because twice now the Klingons have won the peaceful victory, so I'm rolling my eyes. But uh, 
Even so, I mean... But it was completely different in the way in which it was... It went about. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the path to get there was, was a completely different wild ride. So... I mean, I think that's part of the pleasure of this game is that it's got real replayability in much the same way as, like, let's say, Settlers of Catan, yes. where the board's different. My strategy is different. I'm going for something, like, I've got to go with ports and go for extra sheep. <laughs> yeah, it, in fact, it's it's a lot, in in a lot of ways, it's it's got a lot of the themes from Settlers, although it's it's more complex. I think it's more complex, too, but Absolutely. it's grossly more complex. <laughs> But yeah, I mean the, the the exploration allows for variables. You never, um, it's never a guarantee. Uh, when you explore, it might be a hazardous system, and you could lose your ship. Get used to losing ships. Yes, you lose ships a lot. <laughs> yeah, don't get attached to ships. Um, the other a- thing that I think is cool is, as you said, you never like like we've seen we've played enough times now where you flip that tile. Like when I get like twice now, I've gotten the asteroid belt, which allows you. Four production, which is more than most planets. It's it's like the factory system, and you're like yes, and then also, but you're looking at that exploration card because that may pull it. And I mean, we've pulled and the entire system like, blows up. Yeah. Well, I mean, the blow up one is it's actually kind of more of a rare occurrence than you would think. But there's yeah, all sorts it's of one other card in a can, deck of hundreds that can strangle your ability to. It you know it's yes this is awesome now let's make sure that something hasn't happened there's a warp three capable civilization on it like which means that it's difficult to attack and just as difficult to peacefully negotiate yeah because they're strong <laughs> yeah it's essential it's very difficult they're arguably stronger than you for most of the game the more advanced a civilization is that you find the harder it is to make them want to join you unless of course you're the federation with all your bonuses right they the, get tons of oh bonuses yeah i have a ascendancy four and my free uh plus one and i have this other tech that gives me plus two so i'm just gonna it's one up cool i get it yeah well uh so from there let's see we should we talk a little bit about like the strengths and weaknesses of the different factions well did you want to do we want to talk about the uh the weapons and shields we mentioned it earlier oh, yeah. but let's explain to people how this works at the beginning of the game Everybody has the same levels, which is to attack, you need to roll a 5+, plus, and then you'll blow up your opponent. Yes. If, if they have shields, their shields negatively affects your roll. Right. So what happens is during... Now, the, your, your, your turn always happens in two phases. You have your building phase and your command phase. So you get to build stuff first and then use your commands. Right. Uh, the research, which is... I mean, all of these things are super valuable. I mean, production is how you build ships... Uh, culture is how you can actually uh, you need culture actually to try to hegemonize a planet or even to colonize a planet. You need culture. I feel like everything is important. Everything's important. There's yeah. nothing that you can just blow off uh, getting. You can't really completely lopside one side it. I would say culture, but that's the measure by which mo- every game has been won. Right. So it's obviously the most important in a way. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, and you're getting that, and if you start really piling up on that, but but ignoring the other two. Oh, you can't defend yourself. You're going to get pounded. Yeah. Harrison did it. Harrison was Joey Superculture, and he had one fleet, and it wasn't anywhere near Earth. And you're just like, look, I can go and pound every ship around the planet, but I can't get to the planet. I'm like, yeah, you, you guys were busy the- dealing with each other and the Borg, so I was a runaway tech and culture train, and yeah. I neglected my production, didn't have any ships, and then eventually just got blown out of the well, game. Well, I, I needed yeah, I needed to get the Borg cube off my base, but once I was able to get over to you, I had to do something. You generated the Borg cube yourself. You can't complain about it. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to. You had to. to roll a 6 and you just kept rolling 6s. You pulled it like 3 cubes three out of there. 3 times. All right. So, you get your little, you know, main command console, which is your little, you know, 
cardboard placard which lists your you know you, where you keep your stuff. Right. Now you start off with a five up is how you hit people. You hit people on a five up. So It'll, at the beginning of the game, numbers is the way to count on right. any sort of victory in space battles. Right. So you start off and you you know you got all your ships against their ships and you hit on fives. And now if they have any shields. Then you subtract that from your roll, so it makes it harder to hit. It's still just you rolling and them taking pieces off, and then when they hit back, they roll and you take pieces off. Right, shields go anywhere from zero to four. So basically, once you're up to shields two, if they haven't upgraded your weapons, you're impervious. Yeah, that's the thing. So they need a five plus. Well, if I've got, like you said, shields one, they need a six plus. Shields two, oh, you can't roll. You better, you better a seven, so you can't hit them. You better get good fast. Yeah. So uh, you can spend like six research to get your shields up to one, and then it gets a little more hard. Eight will get you up to two. Another another ten gets you to three, and then finally another dozen will get your shields up to four, right. which is maximum. Which we've done. Most of us have done, but usually that's like by that time the game is one or two turns from over. Yeah, at that point someone's getting close to ascendancy. Um, it's just as expensive, or, well, there's more... Yeah, no, I guess it's not as expensive to uh, weapons? Your upgrade your weapons. Weapons are cheaper. They start off with, I think you upgrade from you start 5 plus five. to 4 plus for, is it 4? Yeah, it costs 4 to get up, then 6, then 8, then 10. Yeah. But once you've done that, once you've gotten your shields up to a 1 plus, if they don't have any, if you've got your weapons at a 1 plus, which you can, no shields means you, like Harrison said, you auto hit. You auto hit. And you can it's auto hit this great. game. Now, if by the time if if by the time you've dropped twenty eight production points to get your guns up to a one research plus points. research points, sorry, um, if your opponent hasn't spent the six research points to get at least one shield in there, then that's that's a them problem, you know. <laughs> um, a them problem. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, heck, at the end of the one game, Harrison had a one up uh, weapons and, and a like, plus four shield. Yeah. So and we were close. I had a I had a plus four shield. No, I only had a plus two shield. Which one? Our, our last game. Yeah. What made it interesting to me is that you didn't upgrade your shields at all. Your weapons were crazy. I got my shield. I think I had one okay. on the shields by okay. the end. It was really no, bad. You, no, you didn't because I actually because uh, by the last turn I got my uh, weapons up to two plus and the fleet I was attacking with let me reroll ones. So I was just like, okay, anything but, and then I get to reroll it. Did I? Uh, maybe I didn't. Well, yeah, that's dumb. Well, it wasn't dumb. It's just that you went all aggressive. You went, it you went glass the hammer game. mode, and it, yeah. it was working for you. Because at one point, like you said, you had taken over my system. Later on, you had taken over Harrison's. We couldn't stop you easily. Well, that's because I have that Romulan bonus. That was one of the things I had was at the first round of a, a space battle, I have strike. I get first strike. Good time to mention every faction has a, has a, a fleet-wide um, starting uh, bonus and, yes. and, and, and a weakness. In the case of the Romulans, like David, you're saying, you guys get first strike in space battles. Normally, That's... attacks are simultaneous. So if I attack you, you attack me, and we take you know whatever number of ships I bring to the table versus you. Yeah, we both get our full attacks during the battle. Um, but my special ability is I roll first, and then and that first round only I roll first, and whatever you take off does not get. It's shots back, and it's as strong as it sounds. It's really good. Uh, it's pretty brutal. It's uh, th- yeah. The, the as far as I'm concerned, the Romulans are the great equalizer because 
I the, love playing them. Although oh, the yeah. Ferengi was pretty cool. I did enjoy playing I, them a lot. I, generally, I am a Romulan player. If Romulan is available, that's what I'm going to take. But that's the nice thing about this game. I've played, I think, every race now except for the Ferengi. I have also played every race except for the Ferengi. And, and I've had I, fun with every single I, one of them. I've loved every race. I have not played the Cardassians yet. And I'm not, I honestly, I'm not all that, like, Hype to play the Cardassian. I've seen you guys playing them, and I'm looking at that. Going, that's not my style. For me, the reason, part of the reason I like them is because um, you're a Dinkle Dork. I'm a Dinkle Dork, and I I accept <laughs> their their Dinkle Dork uh, into my cult. No, there there like- are four lights. <laughs> such a good episode. I know. I love Deep Space Nine, and for, uh, the Cardassians were a major antagonist yes. for the whole series. But um, you also like having spoons on your forehead. I like, <laughs> which is known as a chufa. <laughs> There we go. There's your there's your Star Trek culture for the day. Chufa, tufa. And I think I uh, I think I've already taught you guys how to say I have to go to the bathroom or where's the bathroom in Klingon. You were saying that last time. I literally put you on the pain no mind list once that started <laughs> happening. I could not tell you what you two started talking Klingon to each other, and at that point I just I was like, oh, you two I have nerds. a loosely functioning knowledge of Klingon. I yeah, mean, I know you both do, and when you guys both fell into Klingon, I'm like, that's it. Um, this you, game is over. You guys have passed me up. I am now looking at you both going nerds, and that's that's telling. <laughs> you say as the garage hammer poster is sitting right behind you. I like hey, to, I like to get down verbally with my Klingon. <laughs> I just, I, I think the kids. Appreciate it when you get down verbally. Oh, that's that's what gets me dates. Hey, <laughs> you speak Klingon? You betcha. <laughs> okay. okay, I don't even know where to go with that. You, oh, back to the game, quick. Okay. So, please. Oh, here's a thing, something we totally forgot about. So, we go to Paris, France. Go to Paris, France. And um, once you have made first contact, it's no longer random turn order. That's right. And so, this is important because if Christopher and Harrison make first contact, and I have not yet, the turn order rules work against me because they are they're part of a much larger civilization. Harrison and I now start bidding for initiative, which means we have now we have to bid our own resources. And uh, you can pick any of your resources: production, uh, research, research, or. Or Cold. culture. Right. Not your commands. That's different. Not your commands. But uh, now the person who went first uh, will bid, we'll first, bid first the next turn. The, the rule on bidding is whatever number was bid uh, outside of zero. Of resources, yeah. Outside. No one else can bid that number. So if I bid one. There's no ties. Right. Somebody has to bid two or either nothing or two or above. Right. So it, it makes it. You can basically outspend somebody, or you can just make force somebody to spend more to go first. Right. Or you could just be like, I really don't care, and I can go zero. Right. Now, committing zero is committing to whatever random, like... Yes. So, if Christopher bid one and I bid zero, then it would still be random between me and my father. Right. So If, th- if David, if you were not... Right. If you had not made first contact. Right. So... And that's but that's an important thing because and the other thing is you only, it's not like it's not an auction you can't keep outbidding each other it's one time yeah so you went first Chris last turn so you get to bid first so you bid one right Harrison was the only other person in this because I wasn't I, I, no one made contact with me so I don't even get to bid I just get the leftover numbers mm-hmm. Harrison could either bid more than one and take first place and then you would get second or you could like you like you just said say ah you know what take take the first turn I don't care. By bidding zero, then whatever cards are left get random. Just like, just like in the beginning of the game, random card draw. 
So you could bid, or you could say, you don't care, and then Harrison bids one. You're like, I bid zero. Harrison bids one, he gets a turn, and then we get the random draw. But that's one of the sort of motivators to don't hide out. If you want any say whatsoever about when you're going and not just going last, which going last isn't always bad, but if you want to have some sort of say, Toward the end of the game, you really want to have some control over when you go. Yeah. Um, what I've noticed generally, and this isn't going to be true of every game, it seems like earlier on, like during the mid-game, when once we finally started to connect, there's sort of a bidding war to try and go first. For example, if we are competing for the same planet, yeah, uh, usually you want to get your ship there first so you can colonize it. Yeah, if I want to define what the neutral zone is, essentially, I can be like, okay, cool, I'm going to colonize this planet, and I will not progress further if you agree to these terms as well, or something like that, but you want to be able to define that you get that planet as opposed to the opposing player. While later in the game, I think it's been proven over and over again, the way, the time that you won, the time that I won, where you want to go last, because you want you don't win the game. If you have the winning condition, you don't actually win until the full turn is over. Which yeah, you got to have a, all three yeah, of a full us turn round, not right. just my turn, but a turn round where everybody's gotten their turn. So if I go first and suddenly I'm like, oh, ascendancy. Now, oh, by the way, you have to have, to win the game, like you said, you either have to, at the end of a turn round, control all the starting planets in the three-player game. Once you get to four and five players, I don't, I don't know if you have to have it all of them not, or a certain percentage it, of them. It, it doesn't officially change the number of controls. You'd still need three systems. So, well, it's essentially yours and majority. Yeah. It's yours and two more uh, right. uh, home systems. So at the end of the turnaround, I either control three home systems or I have five ascendancy and control my own system. Right. So what happened, uh, Harrison, on the one turn he had, he went first and he had five ascendancy. I was forced into going first because, well, I think I bid one so I could go before the Borg and then you guys both bid zero. And I was like, oh, well. Yeah, because we saw that he was going to win. So we said, let him go first. So that we had that chance to go and take him down. I, you do know that it, you can bid and then take the three card. Yeah, when you win the bid, you get to pick you what choose. turn oh, is yours. Bidding you, doesn't insist that you take the f- number one spot. Bidding means that you have first choice. Right, well, you get to choose. Now everybody knows why I lost that game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Now... <laughs> I mean, that's the game in a nutshell. There's, I mean... You you have to know I the strengths and bad. weaknesses of your individual uh, factions. Yes. Because there are, you know, obviously with the with the Klingons, you have advantages for combat. With Federation, you have advantages for exploration. And with Romulans, you have adv- advantages developing your science. And the advancement cards are oh, really fine-tuned to your race they're, and they can and they're almost you, all really good right each each uh each now faction you, has their own tech yes it's, it's individualized for them i you know it was never mentioned in addition to your starting bonus and disadvantage you also have a starting tech everyone starts with their own starting tech right uh romulans we have first uh, first strike you, you have, have clo- the, that's you have our clo- first strike cloaking our, yeah. yeah cloaking gives you first strike because then that Basically, you don't see us coming till we shoot you. The the Klingons, their advantage is no matter what, you always hit on at least a six. Doesn't matter what your shields are, we still always there. You're That's saying a, there's a chance. Yeah. So yeah. So you could start off with that five plus thing, and whereas everyone else, once they hit two shields, you can't hit them. Klingons will always hit you on a six. On the other hand, Klingons are not allowed to disengage. 
Simply right. not allowed. When a battle starts, they fight to the death. Today, perhaps today is a good day to die. They, yeah, that's actually a card in there somewhere. <laughs> it is, yeah. Today's a good day to uh, die. The Federation, uh, their starting tech is they get an additional plus one to their hegemony rolls. I think it's something to do with diplomacy core or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's called the it's um, Universal Translator. That's it. That's they can it. talk to you in your own language so you feel better. Yeah, so that whole thing where you try to take over a planet, basically you count up, uh, it's... Their warp level plus how many nodes they have on the planet. Oh, for hegemony? Yeah. It depends on if you're doing something that's like uh, not controlled by a player or controlled by a player. But yeah, it's... But so you basically, you you look at what's on the planet. The more advanced it is, the higher the number is going to be. And you have to beat their number. Correct. Um, But you're allowed to add your ascendancy level, which makes it easier. Yeah. So basically, since you all start off at ascendancy one, it's kind of like... Whatever they you have, have to is, match it because right. you get that plus one, and then the federation gets an additional plus one. Plus, well, I don't they quite can, have to match it. Yeah, so they 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 can do that much easier. Now, what's interesting is, um, you have a stack of these advancement cards, mm-hmm. and you can basically um, spend one of your commands to draw two cards, and then you pick one to keep and one to go. So, there are awesome, really great. Um, and it costs a lot of research to get them cards, but you never know when they're going to show up. Uh, so the thing you want the most might be a little farther down the deck. You may have to start cycling through your cards if you really want to find something. I was suggesting that maybe more advanced players might actually spend additional commands and be willing to burn through some of their early turns to guarantee that the tech they feel that they need comes up. Because I'll tell you, last time we the played... The advanced Romulan cloaking device? I got the advanced Romulan cloaking. Now, that's a five... It took me five turns to get it out yeah. because I couldn't find any phenomenon. I could only put one on it per turn. And, and you were generating only one. And I was only... Yeah, my research was so bad. That's why I had no shields. Because I kept saying every turn, like, I have to drop this. Because one of the rules is once you've made contact with another alien race, you can't go through their... Their systems without permission. You can't go past it, their it's ships. A, it's a ship presence. You yeah. can you can fly past their their systems if there's no ship there. Right, but, but if it, there's ships there, you can't just go past. Right, blow, so it's actually a them. strategy, especially in the late game, to kind of leave stragglers to sort of force choke points where it's like they have to stop here at least. They won't be able to get to my system without. Yeah, they least. have to drop out of warp, then spend a command to initiate a space battle to blow up my one ship. And there's speed bumps. Yeah. Well, when we get advanced cloaking. I can just bypass any and all ships because and you're invisible, and you yeah. actually yeah they're phase cloaks. You're fa- you could literally phase through matter. So, but it's like I said, it's it's the most expensive one in my deck too. Now, so it'll l- a little turn. thing too, you can move past friendly rivals if they give you literal verbal agreement to do so. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and in the beginning, we're all playing nice with one another. So, hey, mind if I fly through here? Go ahead. I mean, there was that one time that I actually Harrison pulled the planet, planet, and it's like. Oh, you can't put stuff here, but the guy on your right can. And so I put this node down. I'm like, oh, look, or no, no, it's like drop a ship. And then uh, uh, an opponent, sh- so suddenly I had a ship there. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be way out there. I don't want to do that. So I was like, Harrison, I tell you what, leave my ship alone. My ship will leave. That little node that they had me put on there, I'm like, you can actually hegemonize it, take it over and get a little extra culture and, and do well because I don't even need that. I'm not going to fight you for that. Just take your stuff. I mean, you, you, there is a bit of diplomacy, a bit of wheeling and dealing with your opponents here in the beginning. What I've noticed with Ascendancy, at least from the games we've played, I've questioned whether or not we've been overly friendly. Like, have you ever played a game of uh, Settlers, and you feel like 
this game is overly friendly. No one's stabbing everyone else. No one refuses to use the robber even when they have a disadvantage and should be using it. Yeah, you don't want to upset anyone so you take the robber and put it's it where like, oh, nobody's okay. at. I'll put it on the put 12. It on the desert. Right, but it's like, man, you're losing. You should definitely hit me by now. But they don't. This game doesn't feel like that. The way we've played early on, we usually make trades. We usually give people permission. And I don't feel like it's overly friendly. Yeah, I feel like it's it, cautiously it the right thing to do. Well, right, because we need each other in the beginning. We like, need each other. I need each you other to give me like, trade so I can build ships. Yes. I need you to give me trade so I can build nodes. And when you start pulling ahead, like, we've done it. We've been pulling ahead. You're like, you know what? Uh, I think our trade needs to be over. The, the first lesson I had to learn, and it was really difficult, like, I feel like I almost learned it too late, was when to pull the plug on friendliness. Yep. Yes, I am. And I've, I've, and I've never that's gotten... What, that's the kind of person I am. It's very difficult for me to do that. That's why I'm saying this is a game where you have to have just slightly thicker of a skin because sometimes you have to say, you know, I know we were trading and I know we've had this great relationship for the past 17 turns, but I'm going to invade your home system now with every single thing I've got. I'm all in. Let's let's do so this. So this is a game. This isn't personal. I just want to stress that. But, you know, this is a game where you have to be able to go, ah, you blew up my home planet. All right, good game. You got me. Yeah. I mean, I, seriously, I thought I, I felt bad for Harrison yeah, that exactly when we, when that we exactly blew up Earth. Last, name, last game. And I was just sitting like, well, I'm still technically in the game, so I'm just going to go around and keep exploring, see if I, I find anything I think cool. you did the right thing. For one thing, it's difficult to take that and still keep going. But you kept going, and you really did have a chance to come back. I mean, immediately I started trading with you again. Yes, and I appreciated that because I could start building things. Well, and I, I bid. Needed, I needed your help because he was going to win. Uh, yeah. I totally, yeah, I totally came up and, and snuck you guys. Well, heck, the first time we played the game to completion, I won with the Klingons on an on an ascendancy victory, but only because you're sitting there and we're, we're playing. I'm getting all the stuff now. Okay, how do you get ascendancy? We never even explained that. Basically, spend five culture. Yeah, once you've got five culture, you can at any time turn in your five culture and. Change that for one extra sentence at any token. time on your turn. On your turn, we should probably um, talk about what each of the resources does for you. So, like, yeah, culture is the means by which you get ascendancy. Without it, you can't win it's an ascendancy also victory. How you colonize when your little yeah, ship gets to right. a new planet? You spend one culture and take the ship off. The ship la- lands and they cannibalize the ship to make the control yeah, node. It kind of lands so control and the permanently yeah. lands. Yeah, it's a like it becomes a colony ship. So culture can do that for you. As well as... As well as uh, you spend five culture. You can do this at any point during your turn, and you ascend. You get, yeah, an you ad- get another ascendancy. Um, having multiple... Uh, having higher ascendancy, like you said, two ascendancy means you can have two fleets. Three ascendancy, now you can have three fleets. Uh, also star bases? Star bases. You can attach star bases to planets, um, and that allows you to build fleets outside your home world. Star bases, the pres- your home world... <laughs> Or where there is a star base will allow you to build ships, yep. will allow you to compile fleets, yep. and will allow you... They, they, they grant you additional bonuses in space combat. Yeah, but you can only have as many star bases... Well, you only have three for any one given empire. You only are able... Yeah, the star bases are an extremely limited resources of which you're only ever going to build three. Right. And you can lose them. Not to, not to being blown up, but... Your if opponents someone can takes steal over the them. planet yeah. that it's on, it becomes theirs. So you can control more than three, but one of them started off as somebody else's. But once again, in the beginning of the game, you can only have one star base because you only have one ascendancy. You right. can't get a second or a third. Uh, the nice thing about star bases, too, is they also give you an extra command. So once you get those yep. three star bases down, you're up to eight commands instead of five. Right, which is a significant advantage. Although you find, every once in a while, you find yourself in a position with more commands than you know what to do with. Yeah, you're like, uh, you know what, I got nothing else, so I'll just drop a guy into warp. Now that's, you know, there's other minutiae. Um, you can actually 
we said in the beginning of the game, you go into warp to go, and then you roll a die to find it. Or you can go into warp just to move between planets. I find it funny that in this game, movement actually takes more time to explain than you think. There's, yeah. There are two ways of moving, one of which is impulse, uh, and that's just move which through spaces. Which is nigh on useless. It's practically useless because you can't traverse the galaxy going 10 miles an hour. So. Although you also can't leave that black hole space at warp. You can only move out okay, of there Okay, so yes, impulse. there's one phenomenon that you can't jump to warp at. I've gone to impulse when, uh, in fact, you guys went to impulse and screwed me out of the win at the last game. Yeah, we th- I went to impulse and dropped roadblocks and dropping every two little seconds. ships in the warp lanes so I couldn't get back to my home planet. Well, that's what we were discussing, like... Sometimes, like, when you're being hostile with one another, you want to drop speed bump ships just to prevent you from being able to quickly fly home. Right. Warp, in a nutshell, for every action, you can jump uh, from one system to the next, but it takes at least two commands to do it, one of which is going into warp, and the next command is to drop out of warp. For, every, are... for every warp counter you put on, you can jump one system. So if you put on two warp counters, that is two commands, you're at warp two. Right. Then you drop that third command. You have two warp counters on from the two previous actions. That means you can jump up to two systems away. Right. Um, now you can go into warp and just leave them there, and then at the end of the turn, once at the end of the turn round, they basically just get an extra warp token. Like right. they've been in warp being there so for a while. To, yeah, they get to go faster. You could actually um, complete. Uh, your there are certain advancements that will uh, give you additional warp tokens. So if you so like you get you complete an advancement that has a warp token on it, and when you go into warp, you're actually at warp two when you start off. Right. So yeah, if that advancement that you get has a little warp symbol on it, that actually boosts. So then for the rest of the game, that so you drop into warp and you're automatically at warp two. That's right. Of it. So yeah, can, one of the great Harrison got himself up like warp six or some. St- Stupid stuff. Was like that, that when you were the Federation? Yeah, that last it, game. No, that was not that last game because I was at warp one the entire game. So it was what, terrible. What, how did you get up to who, like warp? Who were you? Were you the Fed? Fe- I think I was the Romulans. Okay, because they're just awesome. I do they're, love them. Everyone likes. The it's Romulans. my favorite. It's Everybody. Like, I was the Romulans. The Rom- I just kept doing tech, and I was like, I want to see if I can get up to moving across the galaxy in one turn. Well, that was that was my big issue when I was playing the Cardassians. Was I was not mobile enough. It cost me all of my commands to get anywhere because. Right. I I couldn't. I had to spend like, okay, here's a command. I'm going to warp two. Here's a command. I'm warp three, to get anywhere. Now, the, like I said, I think I think we've covered the game in a nutshell. There are other little bits and bobs around here, sure, and sure, there are things we missed, and it's probably very confusing listening to us try to describe it. But there's a there lot, are a of, lot of videos parts. out there. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of YouTube videos and stuff. Go you on, like I played it with my friends a couple times, and I was the only one who played. But my friend Francis watched a YouTube video. Like I generally understand how this works. So we only need to explain it to one person. But I, w- I would say that the game itself is not especially complicated. The problem for me was putting together a strategy, and even worse, trying to figure out how to steer <laughs> myself toward that strategy. It's like, how am I trying to accomplish this goal? I assume I need more planets. And that's the thing, is that each of us have, by race, a special little bonus. And if we play to... It reminds you a little bit... Uh, I mean, not in any real terms, other than if you ever played Chaos in the Old World or Cthulhu Wars. Uh, Chaos in the Old World, I think I started to play with you one time. They're essentially the same game. Yeah, Cthulhu Wars is basically Chaos in the Old World, but with different Cthulhu factions. Okay. But, you know, you've got Korn, you've got Nurgle, you've got Zinch, you've got Slanesh, and they all play, a, uh, play to that god's 
you know, predilections. If you play that right. specific way, you do much better than if you, you know, if you take Slanesh and just try to beat face, you know, that's not the way it, Slanesh normally works. It's much going harder. off of the civilization analogy that we made earlier, if you're playing a game where you don't actually play to your, like, racial bonus that you have, like if you're playing as the Celt and you don't play a religion-based game, you're going to be on a very weak footing. Right. So, like, because you're not taking advantage of your natural abilities. Yeah, and everybody else will be, so you'll just be you're be playing second fiddle to everybody else. That said, there are times where it just isn't working out the way you think. We've all had we've all had games like that now where where you're playing as the Federation, you don't come across any phenomenons or warp capable civilizations around you, so you kind of just flounder. Yeah. Well, yeah, suddenly now you've just got to play a different game. You've got to find a way. I mean, that's why I think why that there are two ways of victory. Right. Yeah, it's it's essentially necessary to be able to adapt your strategy based on what systems you pull and what exploration cards you pull. And, and I think if there's if I had to if there's one negative to this game, and I love this. If you haven't figured it out yet, but I think all we all love this game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we We've been, I mean, I have played Ascendancy more since New Year's than pretty much any other game we have, except for Age of Sigmar, and that's only because. Well, that's what I do. That's you what went I do. to the convention, right? I mean, you know, that's what I, I mean, that's like the game for me. But you've been coming over pretty much every other Friday, and we have just been boom. Get the board set up We've, when Chris gets here. I think the first game we weren't able to finish because we were hashing out the rules. Yes, and, and that, then since yeah. then we—that was the one game I wasn't actually here to play. I was you, you were at I was at you were at your math competition, yeah, right? So we, we roped Morgan, in. Morgan uh, uh, agreed to play uh, against her better I judgment. Think, I don't think she enjoyed it. She said it was okay. She, I mean, she she didn't mind it, but she's like, here's what she said. She liked playing. She doesn't want to play any game for three hours. That's all that's right. That's fair. And that's... Yeah. Now, she was a trooper about it. I have mad respect for someone who gave it a shot and put it up with it like a and trooper. And doesn't even really like Star Trek. Yeah. But uh, we've played... I think we've completed three games since then, of which you destroyed us the first one, and I pretty much did your strategy for the second... And then the and I stole third it, game stole it like literally a came down like the last couple of rolls. Yeah, and I was just sitting around, going around looking for the Borg. Well, you you are you're due for a victory. The last game I was literally one turn away, and that's because I was sitting like, guys, I have I'm generating six culture a turn. Yeah, I'm you, going to win next. You should have kept your mouth shut. No, I do. I oh no, to, I, I, wanted s- it to be I fun. saw it. I couldn't do I anything saw it about too, it. But yeah. I wanted it to be fun. Like I didn't want to just win it by sneaking around. I wanted I to actually w- enjoy the I game. I win by any means necessary. Win at all costs. Whack. Sneak around. That's what I did. Sneak around. Because you thought that last turn that I was going to prevent him from winning. Uh, you, uh yeah, yeah, I did. And it wasn't until I winked at you that you realized I was planning on winning instead. And you're such a yeah, you were Bing Bong you're talking, Strong. You mentioned. Um. Something. I don't. What did you say? You said like I was counting the number of systems to determine. Yeah, you counted the systems, and then you said how much culture were you generating a turn when you lost? And I was like, Oh no! Well, because I just needed the one. But yeah. So, um, one of the one of the nuances of the game is that two people can actually achieve victory conditions at the same time. In which case, there's a tiebreaker rule. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. no, that's fine. Uh. Okay. Ignore him. My son is being a doofus. <laughs> uh, just today, eh? No. 
It just took an hour for it to start. Okay. For the dufosity to kick why? in. Why am I being attacked? <laughs> this isn't an attack. This is just like the last game. You know what? Win in a game of Ascendancy once, and then you can sit at the big boy table. Oh, snooze that. I did win a game once. You just weren't here to see it. You beat your friends. They don't count. They're not people. Is that when you were visiting your girlfriend in Canada? Wow, this is getting all mean up in this piece right now. Uh, who has hair? And with color? I have hair. <laughs> I have it with color. All right, we're getting way off track here. If Silver I'm is stay a color. On target, <laughs> then we got to get on it. Um, All right. Well, God, we had so much fun. Now they have expansions. They have three, and they've talked about more. The first two I have think two are confirmed, right? The Vulcans and the Thorians. Right, uh, actual new player races. So the the two races you can play now, or the two factions you can play now, are the Ferengi from mostly Deep Space Nine. Yep. Uh, which are all based on profit, and then the uh, Cardassians, which are based on do- domination, I Enslaving guess. Enslaving people. Yeah. yeah. The Card- They seem harder to play, but they are based on... To- yeah. I played them once. They are very difficult to play. The Ferengi. I well, did also, all right. Well, also, <laughs> I got completely screwed over with my starting systems. Not I wasn't able to take advantage of my racial oh, bonus. That's again. what I was saying. Yeah. If, if, you, if I had one complaint, like I said, about this game, it's that you can get a really bad couple of pulls early on with the different planets you're getting. I would agree. I and would. if you get nothing that's going to help out your your um, your your uh, empire your empire's bonus, you know, ability or your racial bonus, whatever you want to call it, uh, if you don't just don't get anything that you that you can use. You could get on the back foot really bad. Heck, that last game we played where I almost stole the victory from you guys. You were on the severe back foot with the I technology. Was, I was sitting. I was so far behind you guys up until the last couple turns. It was ridiculous, and then things started to fall my way, and I still had and only zero or one shields. You. See, I felt I felt the same way at the beginning because I had the Borg up my nose the whole game. Oh, that was just ridiculous. Um, I was convinced. Well, I don't know what turn it was, like maybe th- turn three or turn four. I think it was three. It was turn three. About. For the listeners, we're talking about one of the expansions we haven't brought up yet, which is the Borg expansion. And it's uh, they're, they're in- You cannot play as the Borg, so don't get any funny ideas. You cannot, correct. But, well, I mean, if you lose <laughs> to the Borg, you can play as them, sort of. But uh, I thought that's the direction I was going. Because I, I was, I legitimately thought you were going to be assimilated. and I was, Oh, I was convinced. I, I was very worried because I know how tactical of a player you are, and... The Borg playing tactically well, is bad. Let's talk a little bit about the Borg sure. really quick. This is a good one. So th- the issue with the Borg is they play themselves. They have their own rules, and it's basically you versus the Borg, B- B-O-A-R-D, of, uh, as the Borg. Um, the you know the, the rules are self-programmed to play the Borg. You follow the instructions and go down this list of what they do. Right. Um, if somebody, if a player is defeated by the Borg and are assimilated by losing their homeworld to the Borg, then that player continues to play as the Borg. And the Borg now have two turns per round as opposed to just their own. Right, because they have the Borg turn and they have your turn. The assimilated player Borg turn. Right. And then the assimilated player... Well, doesn't really win at that point, but they can stop everyone else from winning. Yeah, they can by make everybody else lose. Yeah. You can. You become yeah a, a dream crusher, uh, and it means that start a turn two. You pulled the Borg, and it was this thing it was, where it's like it was right away. 
Yeah. The, I remember I had to go use the bathroom too, and I walked downstairs, and you were like, your uncle pulled the Borg. I was like, oh, of course he did. It was a, it was one of the what of the little warp gates or something like that that came up. A Borg a Borg cube appeared literally one system away from my home planet. Well, and, no, yeah, actually, it, that no, was just the, that the was board. just an exploration pull, and then they found the transwarp conduit. Oh, that's right, right. right. And then, anytime you land on the transwarp conduit, roll a dice. If you roll a six, a board cube appears, and every single that time you stop times. there, three times in a row. That? Uh, six, well, it's six, one in thirty-six times six, six so that would be <laughs> when it's a. Yeah, I'm not going to do math on the air here, but um, didn't you roll it four times too? But like two sixteen, by the way. But then, thank one, you. One in two hundred. But then another board cube couldn't occupy it because there was already. That's one right. There. Right. That's was right. A so cube technically, there. it's a two. Would you say two sixteen? Yep. Multiplied by six it, with a, put a one over that, and that's what the odds are. <sighs> Twelve ninety six. <laughs> There's a special rule that says the board. Um, no uh, sector, which is like one part of a space lane or a system, can uh, w- they can't have two board cubes occupying the same sector. So there was a board cube there. He moved in there, rolled another six. So he couldn't actually put another board cube down yeah, there, but no, he would have generated my, it. My bad luck actually saved me. Yeah. Well, and we literally, when, when that happened, I rushed to make first contact with you. you it was a smart thing to do. Because you're like, um, because I'm about to get taken over if I don't get help. So I flew in, made first contact, and then we started I also wiping, flew in and yeah. started helping. And because we started wiping out Borg cubes. Because it, it never came to that, but the Borg have ways to carve paths to people. If there's yeah. no way to get to a home system, then you attempt to discover a, a path. So, I mean... If I had been in control, I would have done everything in my power to end the game quickly so we could play again. <laughs> yeah, I knew you would have done that. Well, yeah. I mean, but but it's a smart All thing right, to do. Let's just re-rack it and be done. That you guys jump in and protect me because protecting me as a player is better than defending against me as the Borg. Because the Borg almost killed me with no special rules. Yeah, the... The Borg expand that was so much fun. It was scary when it first came up. It and cha- then it lengthens the game and it, and it makes it much more intense. Like at any moment you feel like you've got to do everything in your power to defend yourself. Yeah. And stuff comes out crazy because uh, those little control nodes that you can put on a planet, the Borg can get a spire, which is basically the same thing, only it looks all Borgy and really cool. Yeah, they can take over planets. They can assimilate them and... And then every turn, there, that little spire starts gaining nodes to it. And when it fills up, it'll build a cube and start sending them out. And if at some point the Borg can get, I think, what do they have, five spires? Right. They, if they ever have to place a sixth spire and they can't, they automatically win. because They, they assimilate the galaxy. Yeah. It, oh, that, that is so much fun. You're Your off, my man. Off. There you go. And if the Borg win, it's not like the the assimilated players win. Everybody loses. Everyone loses. So it's it's like uh, the Cities and Knights variant for Settlers, where every once in a while, even though you're playing against these people, you have to work together for a few minutes. Yeah, the very beginning of the game, because the Borg happened at the very beginning of the game, it got a lot friendlier than it normally is because we were all like, okay, let's make sure the Borg don't win on turn five. Oh, yeah, no, trade agreements were flowing uh, very freely. Oh, yeah. Because Here, everyone, I'll hand you a three. Just please, let's make sure the Borg win, don't win. Uh, the the trade agreements, by the way, in case we haven't mentioned this yet, they, they offer production, which is a red right. node. The red node's the most common thing you build with this would be more ships. Yeah, it's one production 
one production token per ship, so right. you can start cranking stuff out. So the better, if you want a fleet, this is the direction you need Let's to go. Let's crank out massive fleets real quick. And by the way, uh, the Ferengi, I had so much fun playing them. The Ferengi are, are so interesting because of um, they're all about trade. Right. And they can kind of force the issue. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of the rules is uh, for Ferengi, if, if I have a spaceship, if I leave it in your system... Look, I'm not going to attack you. I just want to leave a ship here. And you're like, oh, okay. We each get uh, extra production. Well, the, the, Ferengi, the Ferengi rule is as long as you have a ship on their system, regardless of trade agreement, you will profit. Right. The trade agreement comes in because the trade agreement simply says, okay, now they'll get some payment too. Right. So it's, look, I'm going to be here anyway. You can fight me or you can not fight me. But if you don't fight me and you accept this trade agreement, then we both get the same profit. But, ex- of course, you have rules that say, well, for one thing, you were going to get the profit anyway, and now you're going to get a trade agreement on top of it. Right. And you have other cards that say, well, as long as I'm here, I get even more. And It's a lot like dealing with the devil. <laughs> It's a lot like dealing with the devil. Well, here's the, the problem. But, but I the had thing three is, in your, the devil's paying you. You're totally cool with it. I had three ships in your systems. I had three ships in his systems. The problem is you have a limit. Like, when a ship is destroyed, it just goes back into your ship pool. Right. But if none of your ships are destroyed, you have a limited number. Correct. You do have a limited so fleet. So I could not build massive fleets or, or, or full fleets to, 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 to go to war with this... With this group, that is true. I literally had to. I had six of my ships out in a bunch of places getting things. Now, Ferengi, can they never build culture? Is that the rule? They can never build culture. They right? can never uh, outside of their starting homeworld, which does have a, a culture note. One culture. They're note. not allowed to build culture notes. They can take them over from other planets, which is a huge advantage if they can do it. They cannot build their own, however. Right, but instead they can build production over any node. Yes, so no matter what's there, I could build production, which means I could be building ships. And so even if there is a culture node there, and it's like, well, I can't build a culture node, I'm just going to stick a production on it and be done. Mm-hmm. Totally now, okay. Because I think for them, their special ability is I can turn in five production to get one culture. culture. That's right. So Big 25 production later, you bought yourself an ascendancy. And for you, Everything's acquiring production, production is surprisingly easy. Like yes. when you played, I mean, you had a stack of production. I was getting at near the end. I was getting nineteen or twenty production every turn. Yeah, I think at the like, end of the game, like you really wanted to go first, so you bid like thirty-seven production. Yeah, because in two, one turn I didn't spend any, and the next turn I had all. I just had it. I stacked up. Ridiculously. Like we almost ran out of tokens. It was kind of absurd. What's just as intimidating about this is you were mentioning that you do have some scattered ships, but. Mm-hmm. With that kind of level of money, you can buy your full fleet more or less in one turn. Yeah. Now, that's what you did when we first started attacking you because you were doing so well. Yeah. You're like, I started coming out like, um, I'm just going to build, I've got enough ships, I'm going to build two fleets right here on my home world and leave them here. And since I'm only Ascendancy 2, I guess I'll just spend the rest of my production to build all the ships I have in my arsenal. Yeah, that, that's what I was doing. Everything you guys wiped out the next turn, I just... All my ships are back. Well, one of your technologies is buy two, get one free. That's literally what it says. So when you buy two ships, you get a third for free. So you're not even spending all of your production. You actually have money left over, and you've bought your entire arsenal. Your entire armada of ships are now on the board. But you don't, like, a lot of you you guys have um, a lot of... uh Attack bonuses and different bonuses like that. I mean, I can still boost my shields and my and my guns, right? 
But as far as being warlike, that we don't have Your choke that. point, I think, was always science. You did a fairly good job of looking for those planets with science, but it wasn't something that comes naturally to the Ferengi. Right, and you, I had to, and that was where I got a, I got a bat in the beginning. That was the I got whole a, thing. You I got a rough science. shuffle in the beginning. I wasn't getting any, and then I hit, I hit like two planets, one that was like uh, research, research, blank, and then one was like another research, research. So, so suddenly in, in one turn, I was getting four or five research a turn, which is decent for yeah. this game. The late game, it's not great at all, but it's, it, it was... It just be the Federation and generate nine plus whatever phenomenons. Well, you were just, yeah, Harrison. You were steamrolling. Yeah. I was a runaway tech train. Well, what you did the last game was you observed that David and I were heavily threatened by the Borg. Yeah, the Borg invasion was happening on the complete other side of the board. I'd say me. for the, a good third of the game... I was I had my hands tied dealing with the Borg and David by saving me and preventing the entire game from going away I think what ended up happening was you were free to just grow and you did yeah I was too far away to be of any real assistance well you were close enough to be of assistance I was like, you just I was chose like four to grow. or five systems away so you it was were like, researching and not well, building you're like oh I only have one like fleet uh at you, it's not really also, that Also, I much. have 10 cultures, so I guess I'll send twice right now real quick. As long as we're talking about the Borg, one of the interesting things about the Borg expansion is if you decide that you're going to actually attack them, which is very dangerous, but without going into the details, if you are able to defeat the Borg, they provide you with Borg tech. Anyone, yes. And, and multiple players can attack the Borg at once. Uh, it's very, Once you understand how the rules work, it's fairly easy for all the players to amass ships around the Borg cube and everyone gets to fight. Uh, and if any ship is involved in the destruction of the cube, everyone gets a Borg tech. Right. And it's just an advantage. Um, and it's so all in the beginning, really good. It was, just, it was just you and I, and Harrison wasn't getting there. So Harrison was, like three Borg ships. Was, was throwing in his like, oh, here's a couple of ships. I'm going to get Borg tech. Well, the nice thing is there is Borg tech that, that's a cost that's uh, zero so you don't have to do any research. Like right. If you get a zero, they're not the best, but they're still helpful. But it's free. It's immediate. And it's, it's immediate, free immediate yeah. tech. Otherwise, there's no reason not to have it. Otherwise, Some of the free ones I had were it, great. It was just yeah. like burn this card, throw it away, but you get two culture right now for free. Right. Or burn this card. I had the one, the Borg tech. Uh, burn this card and all attacks on your first, uh, in the first round of combat don't affect you. Yeah, that's really good. And that was on your last turn. You came in. Guns a blazing to take that planet back, and I had much less ships than you. And I'm like, okay, I'll roll my first because I, I get thought, first strike. I thought I was going to lose right there. And you're like, I get all this, and you. I mean, I had my first strike. I wiped out some of your ships. You did. You had the rest of them. You rolled all this stuff. You should have. I mean, there was take. It took everything except one of my ships off the board, and I'm like, I'm just going to play this card. And you're like, what? It's like, burn this card, and then this round of combat, none of their person's attacks affect you. And you're like, what? I was like, yeah, that, that buddy. scared me. I thought that might have been the end. Yeah, well, it wasn't. I lost, but that was just, there's so much that's going on. Plus, like I said, all of a sudden, weird bonuses that can go to anybody. And when we, it was so funny because we all get a random Borg tech. We're all reading it like, ooh, look what I can get. And they were like, you have what? Because it it's something we weren't used to. We we knew what, we knew in general what the other guys' advancements could be because we've played. And I knew you guys, you guys are like starting to like, oh, I don't want to say sweet talk, but sweet talk me a little bit because I got a tech that was... Uh, the board can regenerate health if they roll really good on their attacks, and I got one where if I was involved at all, then oh, they, they don't regenerate. regenerate. Yep. yep. And you yep. were like, "Hey, why don't you stick over here?" I'm like, "Okay, fine. I'm just gonna 
Keep tacking up. With your little token fleet. Yeah. But hey, it worked. You guys needed me. Yeah. <laughs> that fleet you had was really good. Oh, uh, yeah, the the Cardassians. One of their fleets is, um, it's very small. It's only three ships, but they all auto-hit. Right. So, so that was that's a third of a Borg cube killed right yeah, there. Because you need to do nine damage to the Borg cube to to kill it. And if you don't, it heals up at the end of the turn. And gets harder to hurt. Yeah. Its shields increase by one every round. That's <laughs> so, right. Does it get all of its wounds back? If it doesn't die. When it attacks. Well, okay. no, no. I mean, if, if, if the Borg cube survives an encounter and is not oh, blown oh, up, yes, yes. at the end of the round... Assuming that the combat is over and the board cube is still on the table, it's back to full, absolutely back to full. So it's either it's all or nothing. You have to kill him, or you or have to run. Builds back, yeah, yeah. So, um, Cardassians, their advantage is the they start with six commands instead of five, mm-hmm. so they get more actions per turn. Their disadvantage is that in order for you, outside of your home world, in order for you to gain uh, production from a planet, you have to leave a garrison ship there. That's right, because you are they're violently taking over the planet. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we don't do things in a friendly way. So anyone who's like digging in our minds is not there by choice. Uh, their advantage uh, is that anytime they take over a planet, they successfully invade somebody else's planet, they get a culture for it. So, like the Romulans, tech, you know, science is culture. For the Federation, exploration is culture. For the Klingons, space battle is culture. For us, planetary invasion, that's culture. Now, you got to watch that when it's you come in scary. because um, there's a chance when you invade, if you, if, you, if you do less damage than they have all their little nodes, you start eliminating nodes. It, it behooves you to go in with overwhelming numbers yes. because if you do it wrong, you have the potential for blowing up those assets you were trying to steal. Right. And, and even if you don't blow up the assets, if you roll the same number of nodes, then you just exterminate all life on the planet, which for you especially is very bad because not only can you not just get the free um, control node there, you also, that doesn't count as a successful planetary invasion, so you don't get the culture yeah, either. Yeah, if you wipe them out. Yeah. yeah. Well, some people, some people, it's like unbreakable in Warhammer. Some people just refuse to go. Like, yeah. they, they refuse to stop fighting until it's, they're all gone. It's, uh... And that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. That happened to you, too, because it was like, the only way that you actually just wipe everything off the planet and start fresh is if you, if you do the exact number of damage that they have. Like, if you, if you wipe them out by exact number, if you exceed it, you don't actually wipe them out. You, you just come in with such overwhelming first that they give up. You want to exceed it. That is so the you way. You need to exceed it. And you unluckily, like I think like three times in a row, went to a planet and hit that exact number. Yeah. Well, I did. I was lucky enough to get the the culture advantage at least twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the last turn I needed it or I would lose. So, right. um, And it happened one more time. So it paid off a little bit. More than more than it did when you played them. You just couldn't <laughs> right. get a break. I haven't played the Cardassians. That was, yeah, that was, that was Harrison. Okay. Yeah, yeah I never, I not once got that culture. Bonus. I like them. I, I think that they're less flashy than the Ferengi. The Ferengi are very interesting, although a little intimidating. The, before you start playing them, you start to wonder, how are people going to want to ever do business with me? And the answer is, they will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They will, because what It'll you happen. offer is really good. It's really, really Basically, good. Basically, it'll happen, and that's and the it. thing is, a lot of times when you get towards the end game, people don't want to trade with you and do stuff with you. Sure, you could be like, I don't want to trade with you anymore, and you can give me back my trade agreement and say we're not friends. 
my ships are still around your planet. Right. You have I mean, you, you can have either, to spend the command can, to blow them you up. You can ask me to leave, or you can attack them to blow them up to keep them uh, to keep me from getting the one production there. Yeah. Insult to injury is they can give up their profits. But until they blow you up, you're still getting yours. And that's the thing. If, if you, you could be like, I don't want to trade with you. Well, that's fine, but I'm still there and I'm still doing black market deals. I'm still getting that money. Right. The only, the best and most effective way to, to give up a trade agreement with a Ferengi is just start attacking their ships right away. It's, yeah. Otherwise, you're not hurting them. You're but, hurting yourself. But you've still got to blow. You've got X amount of commands in your turn. Right. And if I'm on three of your planets, you have to have ships there. And you have to initiate battles, which means every battle you got to spend a command. So you want to give up your whole turn to blow up three of my ships? We go for it. Ships that you can replace instantly because of my production levels already through the roof. Right? Yeah. It's just it's it's crazy how we get we work our way in there like a tick, and you can't get us out. For the Ferengi, profit literally is culture. Yeah, you can buy culture. It's 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 so that. I love this game. It's a lot of fun. I would still like to see ways of, like, I'm wondering if I'm missing an opportunity for the military victory or if they just included it just in case. You know, I like, I mean, the name of the game is Ascendancy. That seems to be... Right. Anytime I don't play the Federation, I kind of actively try to get the military victory just to see if it can be done. Well, I, I am, That's what I'm I wondering. I came close. Yes, you did. Well, I mean, yeah, in time you would control at one point over all the systems, just not in a row. Right. But, but so, like I said, I just, I love this game. Uh, I think everybody should get a copy of it, or get a copy for your gaming group, because you don't all need a copy of well, it. Well, anybody who's listening who went to Adepticon, I understand anyone who did the VIG Gamer, uh, they got, they got a there. copy of it. Oh. Uh, don't let it collect dust. Play it. You it's know, worth it's, playing. It's so good. It's so good. And now we... we the Vulcans, they're going to make a, a Vulcan. From from their website, I'm told they, they have the two new races coming out, one of which are the Vulcans. Mm-hmm. Now, f- for Star Trek fans, yes, they're one of the founding members of the Federation. So this is kind of a little bit like alternate universe. The just, Federation is essentially just the humans. Maybe. I mean, yeah, it depends. I mean, on, it's Earth. I mean, if you play the Vulcans, you're going to be start on, you're going to have your own on Vulcan, on planet Vulcan. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one is a race called the Andorians. Now, for, for people who are aware of it, that's one of the founding races of the federation i think they're the more warlike they, i think they're blue with antennae now was that the one that got mentioned in the card so we no, knew they were coming? Uh, i was looking at an ex- exploration card in one of our games and it said you know do this stuff if there's a thorian player in the game oh, ignore tholian. this tholian yeah tholian but you did say that you saw the andorians on their website too so i read that card and was like oh i guess the tholians are coming at some point well yeah you're right i mean the way they talk about it they're implying that a Tholian will be a playable race. Um, All I know is... Tholians were the ones who spun webs in the original series. Yes. The, the, the sp- in space. not they, they themselves don't spin webs. All I know is that the cards to determine your turn order go up to 10. Right. And like the Borg, it actually says that if, the, if there's no contact... Well, I think it would only be nine because then the Borg, it says that the Borg get 10s. The Borg, even though they play themselves, they always get one of the random initiative numbers. Right, right. So, or if, you know, what I of think the, that's it. That's about it. Like, we think we covered, I mean, if, if, if we haven't interested you by now in this game, we're not going to, but. 
Or if you even if you're not that interested in Star Trek, there is something about this game that's worth checking out. Uh, the way the map itself is played, uh, the fact that it's it's a really good. I, I think it's it's as brief as a game like this can be and still be as. It's a complex exploration, diplomacy, and potential military game, and it's it's very well captured. No, absolutely. There's there's there is so much happening, so many things, and every game we play is so has been so different. And you do have to think differently based on which race you're deciding to play. And right now, there are three in the main box. The two expansions allow you to take a completely different tack. And the Ferengi can... are a completely wild variation, which I really appreciate. And like I said, then you bring in the Borg just to add complexity to your own game because they're trying to stop everybody. Because they're just there like, oh, well, I guess we have to work together or lose. I wouldn't recommend it for every game, but I liked it a hell of a lot and would like to include it more often than not. Yeah. Like if I wanted to, oh, let's play. If you're playing with a new player, I would leave the Borg out. If you were playing a Do not play the Borg with a new player. If you're playing a for a five-player game, you may not want to add the Borg and add more hassle into the to a game, if, with, if, which is already going to take longer. I think it longer. might be more fun if you had a five-player game. If it's like a school night and you have to get to bed early, I'd ex- exclude the Borg. If it's yeah. a Friday, throw them in. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's it. All right. Thanks for having me hey, on. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it, was, it was so good to have you back on the air with us here. Oh, it's been a long time, and I was excited to get a chance to actually chat with you and yeah exactly. i'm glad that we actually we've had many discussions like this i'm glad we actually were able to like record it yeah no this is great this i'm gonna put this out this will be cool and i i think you're gonna see a lot of people now uh on the garage hammer facebook page being like darn it dave now i just dropped 90 dollars on ascendancy thanks a lot 90 but dollars they just saved 10 bucks is it not oh is it a hundred dollars i think it's a hundred dollar game it was a hundred dollars at adepticon because at adepticon like this is pretty useless for you now. You can buy the base game, the two uh, player expansions, and the Borg for 150 bucks, which was kind of ridiculous because the Borg expansion is 45 and the two player expansions are 35. Oh yeah, so they're offering a nice. I'll deal put it there. to you this way: I I didn't get anything at a discount. I'm thrilled. No uh, no regrets. Yeah no yeah. This game has been uh, I, yeah heck. Like I said, I I when I found out they were giving these to the VIG, I didn't have one. I was lucky enough to find um well. Misty and Shirley Tempel, they sold me theirs because they, they're like, it's a three-player game. We never have a third. Uh, where are these so, folks from? Um, oh, I don't remember. I mean, are they local or are they uh, far away? No, they're not. No, they don't live around here. They no. live in faraway land? Faraway land, okay. absolutely. I was going to say. But, um, yeah, they were nice enough to sell us theirs, so now we have a copy, so you don't always have to be lugging yours over here. But I don't mind. But, yeah, eventually, I once, so once you get the expansions. Yeah, once we get the expansions, you won't have to lug yours over here. Yeah, so... Well, folks, um, if you if you if you have it, do jump on the jump on the Facebook page and, and let us know what you think of the game. Uh, and if you uh, if you if it this if this inspires you to give it a try, yeah, let us know what you think. But I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap this up. So this has been um, episode two of Garage Gamer. Harrison, thanks, Chris. Thank thanks. you. Thank you. And uh, folks, that's it. Uh, I'll see you back here shortly with. Uh, the, the next episode of Garage Hammer. Who knows what that's going to be? So, just enjoy it while you can. And, I would uh, hope you would know what that's going to be. I don't because I don't know when this is coming out. So, <laughs> schedules. Yeah, it's going to come out between one episode and another. So those things will be covered. Hey, shut it! I'm listening to my show. Yeah. Literally all of the time. Literally all of the time. All right, folks, take it easy. We'll talk to you soon.
Ja, ja, snarare.